everyone. Welcome to The Science of Beauty, a podcast from Allure. I'm Michelle Lee, the Editor-in-Chief. And I'm Jenny Bailly, Executive Beauty Director. On this podcast, we're diving into the science behind beauty and the products that we are always talking about and testing here at Allure. And today on the podcast... Hi, I'm Monica. I'm Dominican and African-American. Uh, the women in my family generally relax their hair or get blowouts, so that's what I did for 20 years. My name is Rosemary. I have curly to wavy hair. Hi, I'm Jihan. Um, my hair, I guess, could be described as afro-textured. There's some curls in there, but there's also some kinks. We're talking about curls. For this episode, we decided to recruit three of our Allure teammates, Monica, Rosemary, and Jihan, to do a famous beauty test of how porous their hair is, the porosity test. Right. So porosity, that basically means how much water the hair absorbs. Um, I have a glass, a wine glass of water, and I pulled some curly hair from my brush, um, and I'm going to drop it in now. Okay, it's kind of just floating around. Nothing's happening, which is good, right? It's on the surface. It looks like I have fairly low porosity hair. It's kind of floating at the top. So it turns out I didn't have to wait too long because my good sis went all the way to the bottom. It just sucked up all that water. So if you have high porosity hair, your hair is more likely to be curly. And that high porosity means that it probably loses a lot of moisture. And you're going to want to do things to hold that moisture in. If you have low porosity hair and people with straight hair are somewhat more likely to have low porosity hair, your hair might be resistant to external moisture. So your job is to try to do things to really infuse moisture inside your hair. So, okay, here's what you do. You put a piece of hair in a bowl of water. If it sinks, that means you have high porosity hair. Your hair absorbs a lot of water. If it floats, it means you have low porosity hair, meaning less water absorbent. And we didn't just make everyone else do the porosity test. Jenny and I are going to do it too. Okay. Yes, we are. I'm sitting here with my bowl of water. I've got a beaker of water, actually a big beaker. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Okay. (laughs) I know. We just happen to have like a large beaker at home for some reason. (laughs) Okay. So we have to pull out a piece of hair. Yes. Pull out a long piece of hair. Ow! Uh, okay. Let's see. Is that a long one? Okay, I've got it. Okay, mine's out. Okay, and, and keep track of which side is has been closest to your root and which one is the end. And we're actually going to split the hair in half. Okay, here we so go. Just rip that hair doop, right off. And then stick both in the water. And kind of keep track of which is which, too. Okay. My end piece is floating, and my root piece is floating too. So the reason that you want to take both sides is because sometimes people have low porosity hair coming out of their head, but then it's high porosity towards the ends because of heat damage and other things. Okay, it looks like the hair close to my root is definitely floating. The the bleached dead ends are kind of hanging out halfway down. Oh, interesting. Both both of mine are floating. I kind of expected that, though, because I've got very, very straight, coarse hair, um, which I would have guessed that I had low porosity hair. And I have a lot of bleach in my hair, so I would have guessed 
that it would be more high porosity because that cuticle, that outer layer is kind of ruffled up. But it didn't sink, you know, it didn't sink to the bottom like a cement block or anything. It's still just kind of floating in the middle of the water. Interesting. I think I have medium porosity hair. Ah. Middle of the road porosity. (laughs) Well, porosity is just one factor that determines how your hair acts and reacts. After the break, we'll be talking to an expert who can break down why your hair is the way it is, curly, straight, or somewhere in between, and how to care for it. We're back and we're here with Erica Douglas, also known as Sister Scientist. Hi, I am Erica Douglas and I am a cosmetic chemist. Okay, let's break this down. Erica, can you help us to figure out and to explain to people what makes hair curly? So if you put a curly hair under a microscope, how would that look different from a straight hair? Um, So actually, the biology of hair is the same, regardless of whether it's straight or curly. But what makes the shape of hair different, you know, one person compared to another is really the shape of the follicle. You can have like straight follicles or something like a moon-shaped follicle or almost like a C or sometimes a U-shape where like the follicle kind of doubles back on itself. Um, And so what happens is during a process called keratinization, which is essentially uh, the freezing of hair because hair is liquid. What? Yeah, right? Right? You're going to learn today. When we see hair, what you know as hair, the physical, you know, hard mass that you see growing out of your scalp is really this liquid frozen in time. And so that's why if you have a U-shape or a C-shape follicle, you're going to have very curly hair versus if your follicle is uh, a little more relaxed, either straight or just has like a slight bend, then you might have straight or wavy hair. I'm like, well, what did I think hair was? Maybe I just thought there were these hairballs under our skin that slowly were unfurled through the follicles. (laughs) Because it's the aggregation of like, protein and nutrients and vitamins under your scalp. And that's how, why what's in your bloodstream, what's in your body often is displayed in your hair. Like I I like to use the example, you know, when we look at all these like CSI shows and they find like one little particle of hair and then they can tell who it is, what gender they are. They can tell what you've been drinking, what you've been smoking, all from this little part, you know, piece of hair. And that's because everything that's in our body kind of gets frozen in 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 time in your hair because it's an imprint of everything that's in your in your bloodstream. I'm embarrassed for myself, but I guess I've just never really thought about hair before it comes. I've like we've been so concerned with it after it comes out of the follicle, but I'd never really thought about the before. And so the follicles are almost like it's like those Play-Doh things, you know, that are different shapes. It's like you put the Play-Doh through, it's like a star, it's like a spiral. Yeah, I mean, what we have to understand is that technically hair is dead cells, essentially, um, when we see it. And the only time hair has the ability to kind of biologically multiply or manipulate itself is when it's in that liquid form beneath the scalp. So that's why Um, You know, you want your hair to grow as strong as possible, as healthy as possible from 
uh, you know, the time it emerges from the follicle at the at the root right at your scalp, because that is when hair is the strongest and healthiest. It's all downhill from there. I tell people all the time, if you want to know what's best for your hair, the best thing you can do is figure out and learn more about your personal biology of your hair because it's probably not like anybody else's. And how do you suggest people do that? Well, um, easy. I think a lot of times we're so stuck on what's my curl pattern. Like you, you see people kind of using the curl chart. One, you're straight. Two, it's kind of like a wavy. And then they kind of go into 3A, 3B, 3C. And then your four is like the most excessively curly hair you can have. And just giving context to that chart, a lot of times, as specifically as curly women, we are basically comparing our hair to that chart and being like, where do I fall? Am I a 4A? Because then some people have different curl patterns all around their hair. You're like, I'm a 4A here, but then I'm a 4C back here at the nape of my head. Um, And so a lot of people get confused, but really there are so many other attributes and variables that go into this curl pattern is only one, you know, like what's your, what's your porosity? Um, What's the elasticity of your hair? Um, Is your scalp healthy? Is your hair actually growing out of the follicle healthy and strong? So like how much thinning is already going on um, kind of at the, at the, as the hair is emerging from the follicle. And then also, what are you putting in your body? Like if you're, if you don't drink a lot of water, you're not, you know, getting your, your daily vitamins and nutrients, your hair is probably more brittle than other people. So it's like, there are multiple factors that go into what really makes up your hair type. So like my sister, for example, has very curly hair. I do not, it's maybe a little bit wavy, but so we really just have different shaped follicles. Genetics played a role where you have a more kind of half moon shape follicle and she probably has more of a C shape, which makes her hair actually curl all the way around. And that's literally the only difference between, you know, what makes your hair wavy and hers curly. What about people who, I mean, I guess this has happened to me a little bit in my life, whose hair texture changes. Like I've even talked to people who had like pretty curly hair that got totally straight or totally straight hair that got, they say they go through puberty or some other change or it gets curly. So is it that the shape of their follicles is changing throughout their life? Essentially, yes. And that is uh, often attributed to age, um, hormones. You could be taking certain medications. In some cases, it might be environmental where, you know, there's Uh, something that is changing kind of like the biology of your body. And so all these things kind of go into what your hair may kind of transform into based off of what's going on in your body. And so the follicles tend to kind of lose its shape or like start to loosen. Um, So if you have really curly hair, a lot of times they, you know, the shape kind of straightens out a little bit more over time, which is like why my grandmother had really curly hair when she was young. But then, you know, in her 80s, she had very, you know, soft, just almost like soft wave. And I used to joke like, oh my goodness, grandmother, I want hair like you. And she was like, you don't know what I started with. I started with (laughs) hair that looks, you know, extremely curly, you know, almost like wool. 
And, you know, and now she was like 80 years later, this is what it took 80 years to get this wavy hair. So interesting. That happened to my sister when she was a teenager. So everyone in my family has incredibly straight hair, except for some reason when my sister turned like 15 or 16, her hair just started coming out curly. And so it's never gone back. She just has curly hair now. Interesting. Yeah. So there, there had to have been some type of change in her body. Sometimes people don't know what what the catalyst was, but it's often some type of, you know, biological change that affect it or, or contributes to, to that difference. So Erica, we actually had some of our colleagues at Allure do porosity tests on their own hair. So plucked some hairs, there was some water. And in this experiment, your hair basically either floated or sank. Could you tell us a little bit about that test and what the results mean? So I love this test because it kind of gives everybody some insight into like where they fall on this porosity spectrum. Um, So I like to think of it as like a boat. You take these strands of hair, you put them on the surface of the water in a glass. And if it floats for a very long time, that is a sign that you have low porosity hair. Because in a boat, you want the bottom to be sealed up, right? That's what makes a boat float. But if you have, imagine if that boat had holes in it, what would happen? It would start to sink, right? So essentially, if you have strands of hair that sit on the top of, on the surface of that water, and it starts to sink immediately or in the like the first two, three minutes, that's usually a sign of high porosity hair because it's taking on all that water. Yeah. But basically you you don't want Titanic hair. And can we talk a little bit about how to care for curly hair? Um, If you were to give, I guess, an umbrella answer to how how should people be caring for curly hair? um, How would you answer that? First, you need to understand your specific hair. Um, how elastic is it? Like if you, if you pull your hair, does it snap right back or does it kind of lose its shape? Um, how strong is it? Understanding the thickness, um, and density of your hair. A lot of people, um, they confuse density versus thickness of the strands, like the actual length or diameter of the strand. Like, do you actually have thick strands or do you just have a whole bunch of really thin strands in one, you know, square inch area. And also, of of course, curl pattern. uh, All of these things are important in kind of putting together a regimen. And so it's really important to make sure that you are protecting your hair from heat. Um, And then also, like a lot of time people, they tend to be really aggressive with their tangling because curly hair gets tangled a lot. And so that is another factor is like really understanding how to make sure your hair is lubricated enough to where you can slide a comb, slide your fingers through the hair without tearing and really being aggressive or harsh with trying to uh, detangle hair. Um, And then lastly, kind of circling back to porosity, uh, a lot of times why curly hair dries out so quickly is because uh, the sebum that starts kind of like at the top of our head um, and it really is, you know, nature's natural hair oil <laughs> to keep our strands lubricated. Um, it takes longer for that sebum that that starts at the at the root of the hair to travel all the way down the strands because it's harder for the sebum to go around the curves. So that's why a lot of times 
straight hair women get oilier or or see oilier hair because the sebum just just falls right down the strand. It just it doesn't have to go around all the twists and turns. And so I think the curly girl's plight is often how to maintain moisture. Like that's our that's our Achilles heel. We're like, I need all the moisture. Give me all the moisture. Um, and really it comes down to porosity when it comes down to, you know, how you maintain moisture. And that is if you have low porosity, it means that your hair cuticles are so compact that it's really hard to open them, which means that it's hard to infuse and push moisture through those really small kind of cracks or abrasions on the cuticle, which is how we get moisture in the hair, is your hair literally is drinking, soaking up water. I like to think of hair like a sponge. You put it in the water and it's just a and that's, you know, and, and you want your hair to do that. But then the great thing about low porosity hair is that once it's in there, it's in there, it's trapped. And so one of the things that I, I think a lot about when it comes to caring for curly hair is how to ensure that you have that invisible barrier that allows you to keep moisture in the hair, but then also repel all of this you know, humidity and moisture that's in the environment from getting in because actually that is what causes frizz. That is the textbook definition of frizz is when, you know, you have dry hair or you've set styled your hair and at some point moisture somehow sneaks its way into the hair and makes all the curls go every which away because it's now taking on moisture that it didn't have previously. Now you mentioned heat. Um, can you talk about heat a little bit more and what happens on a microscopic level, I guess, when you're treating curly hair with heat? So whether you're using, let's say, a diffuser versus a flat iron, what's actually happening? Okay, so this is one of my favorite topics. Um, I have a video on my website called Fry Eggs, Not Hair. And I think it's a very great visual of really what happens when you apply heat to hair. What happens is heat is kind of rushing through all those little cracks in on the surface of the cuticle. And when heat kind of penetrates that cuticle layer really fast, it causes abrasions to kind of spread. So it's almost like if you threw something really hard at a window and it starts to crack and you see all the little kind of hairline cracks going through the window, that's kind of what heat is doing. And then you do it again and again and again, it just gets worse until like the window just falls out, right? That's really what heat is doing to your hair. And so that's why it's very important to use some type of heat protectant. Um, You know, I know a lot of curly girls don't like the word silicones, but silicones are really great in protecting the integrity of your hair from heat because it slows down how fast the heat goes through the cuticle, um, which means that you can straighten your hair in a safer way. You can also do this with, you know, hair lotions or, or even just natural oils. And then when it comes to like diffusers, uh, essentially the difference between a diffuser and a regular hair dryer is the direction of the heat and how it comes out, making sure you're not having direct heat in just one section, which often leads to frizz and kind of all that work you did to align the curls and get them all perfect and you pulled gel through and you pulled your creams through and you now your curls are looking great because of course hair is more um, malleable or pliable when it's wet. And so we want our hair to look the way that it looks wet. It never looks that way when it's dry. The diffusers help to disperse the heat so that 
it's not just pushing direct intense heat on one area, which can often make those curls to um, kind of dry out certain areas, dry out faster. And then all of a sudden the curl, the strands start to misalign. And so diffusers are great if you are, you know, really like wash and go styles. Uh, you're, you're really just trying to make sure that the heat doesn't disturb your curl pattern. Um, or you do it the lazy way like me and <laughs> just fan a regular blow dryer back and forth. And then you're like, <laughs> that works for me. Okay. So on the flip side of all of this um, with straightening, can you talk to us a little bit about how relaxer works? Essentially how relaxers work is they use mostly sodium hydroxide, which is more aggressive, active, which is basically a very high pH active. And then it essentially goes through the cuticle layer and rearranges the disulfide bonds in the hair. And so disulfide bonds are what determine what the shape of our hair is. So if you have curly hair, your disulfide bonds are kind of like locked in place. So you mean after it sprouts from the follicle, it's the disulfide bonds that keep the hair in whatever shape the follicles dictate? Yes. The only thing that breaks disulfide bonds are, you know, very high pH actives. And then they basically kind of become, you know, you you can manipulate them, which is why also relaxers are very thick, heavy creams because they are giving, they're pushing like weight to help smooth out the curl. And then essentially you have this very high pH active and you leave it on until like those disulfide bonds literally kind of melt into a different formation. And if you leave it on too long, you're going, you could get burned. You start to feel like this burning sensation. So there's a very, you know, you have to know what you're doing because you have to neutralize it back from this high pH, which often relaxers can be at a pH of like 10, 11, 12 you know, and um, that's a very aggressive pH. But then when you neutralize it with a shampoo, which is usually somewhere below seven, um, it's basically bringing the pH down really quickly. And then it locks those disulfide bonds back in place so that the hair is now straight. So because you've literally taken the hair, stretched it while it was in this pliable state, and then again, froze it back in place by using this lower, this neutralizing shampoo that brings the pH of the hair down very quickly. And so with um, the breaking of disulfide bonds, it's permanent. It's um, you use a relaxer, you straighten your hair, there's no going back unless you are like putting rollers in your hair um, or, or doing something to physically manipulate your hair once you relax your hair, it's straight and you will not get curly hair again until you get new hair to grow out of your scalp. And so for specifically, you know, like in the African-American community, relaxers were big in the 90s. And so but, you know, kind of what has happened was this movement um, of letting go of relaxers and really learning how to define and style, you know, naturally curly um, hair. And so relaxers are not as popular anymore. Uh, whereas like in the nineties, you would, I think it was something like almost over 75% of black women had relaxers. Now it is almost flipped to where like less than 30% of black women are wearing relaxers these days. So, um, 
it is something that if you want your hair permanently straightened, it is, you know, it is a product that will help you get there. Um, when straightening the hair with heat, it is a temporary process. So heat breaks the hydrogen bonds in hair, which is why when we straighten our hair with a flat iron or a pressing comb or something like that, we're literally kind of evaporating hydrogen bonds out of the hair, which is essentially like, if you think of like the chemical uh, structure of water, H2O, you're literally pulling those H's off the hair. And so then the hair stays straight. But as soon as your hair hits that water, gets in some humidity, what happens? It shrinks right back up and start, you know, come becomes curly again. When you have a keratin treatment, you can still wash your hair. You can still do everything. It just means your hair isn't going to revert back to its curly state as quickly or as as much as it would if you didn't have a keratin treatment, which means you don't have to use very high heat if you want to straighten it back up. Okay, Erica, we've got some listener questions for you. Hi, it's Charlene from Colorado. I'm wondering, how should I sleep on my curls so that they look their best in the morning? Because right now I get a lot of frizz. Do those silk pillowcases and scarves actually work? So I am a fan of pineappling. If you don't know what pineappling is, it's essentially pushing your curls up on the very tip top of your head so that it looks like a pineapple. Um, And we do this because a lot of times the reason we get frizz is because we're kind of rolling around. And the manipulation or friction that you'll get from your pillowcase, which is, again, to your point, like while silk and satin are good for the curls because they don't cause as much friction and they don't pull as much moisture from your hair. But when the curls are sitting on the top of your head, kind of tied up, maybe with a bonnet, what happens is any frizz or friction that does occur happens under the curls, right? So then when you take down your hair and the curls fall back into kind of how they fall naturally, you don't really see any of the frizz that may be happening. So it's like you're protecting the part of your hair that people see the most so that, you know, when you wear it out, it doesn't even look like you went to sleep, right? Also tying the hair up with a silk scarf, using some type of bonnet to kind of tie the the, the curls in place on in a pineapple way helps to preserve curls, prevent frizz, and, you know, and not have the pillow monster rob your hair of moisture. Hi, Allure. My name is Tony. I have curly hair and I'm starting to get grays. I've noticed those gray hairs are coarser and more frizzy than the rest of my curls. Why is that and what can I do? Yeah, so gray hairs often is like one of the bigger mysteries in um, hair science, but, uh, essentially gray hair is kind of losing the, the melanin that we, you know, kind of the colored pigment in our hair. Um, and it causes the hair to become kind of more wiry, not as pliable because the hair is more wiry. It's harder to align the curls because really when we see very defined curls, it's because you've achieve getting all of these strands that really want to go every which way on their own to align and kind of go all in the same direction together. It's like, we're, we're all working together today. Right. Um, but frizz is caused 
when all of those hairs that you have perfectly aligned together start to rebel and go every other way. They're like, nah, I'm going this way, son. Oh no, I'm over here. And then you start to see all the little strands kind of poke out. They just kind of are rigid and not as soft as when, when, you know, the hair had that, that color to it. So the hair is becoming more wiry. It's not as soft. It's not soaking up as much water. And so therefore it doesn't play nice with others. All right. This was highly, highly enlightening. I'm not going to forget about our hair is liquid. (laughs) And we're going to get that Play-Doh machine. I might have one in the corners of the basement. Awesome. Thank you for having me. This was great. So we've spent this whole episode talking about curls, but Jenny, you and I actually don't have curly hair. We do not. So this week we decided to do something a little different for the recommendations section. We got three Allure staffers with curly hair to call in with their recs. We've got features director Jessica Cruel, digital editor Jihan Forbes, and digital staff writer Nicola Dallison. First up, here's Jessica. My name is Jessica Cruel, and I'm the features director at Allure. My curl type is like 4B mostly. My curls are kind of the size of a pin spring, and they're very tight, and they tend to get very tangled. For my wash day routine, I always start with a pre-shampoo treatment. For years, I've been using the Philip Kingsley Elasticizer. It is amazing when it comes to detangling my hair, but also kind of moisturizing it since usually I wash my hair every two to three weeks if I'm being naughty. So I really need a lot of moisture to get through the tangles. Um, So I use that to start and I leave that on for about 30 minutes. Then I hop in the shower and I use the Taraji P. Henson Never Salty Scalp Scrub. I actually have really dry scalp and I get flakes and patches of dryness. So I like to use that scrub to really make sure that my scalp is clean and it tingles. It smells like peppermint. Um, It's a really great experience. And I can say that it really helps me get down to my scalp. I put it in the parts, which is really hard when you have like an afro. It's really hard to get down to the scalp where you really need to get it clean. So I'm really loving that scalp scrub right now. When I get out of the shower, after I do my deep conditioner and I shampoo, I use the Myel Organics Avocado Milk Leave-In. I've also been using this product for years. It's a thick, creamy leave-in, and it just makes my hair feel so soft. And I use the Lock Method Leave-In Oil Cream. And then I usually detangle and make the curls really clump together using the Tangle Teaser brush. Uh, I just get the best definition using that brush. So I'm a longtime fan of that as well. And my styling product is the African Pride Shea Butter and Flaxseed Oil Curling Cream. This cream smells like dessert, but not too strong because sometimes natural hair products can smell way too strong, but it's not too strong. And I layer that on and twist my hair into two-strand twists. That's my usual styling routine. I'll leave it twisted for a couple of days, maybe even a week, depending on my work schedule. And then I'll twist it out and wear my curls, my coils. Uh, So those are my favorites for 4B hair. Okay, next up, we've got Nicola. 
Hi, my name's Nicola, and I'm a staff writer for Allure. My curls are tricky because they're pretty loose, like a combo of 2B and 3A curls, but my hair is super fine, and basically that means I'm prone to frizz and flat hair. They need a lot of time and work to reach their peak definition, so I do lots of upside-down scrunching and plopping and all of that anytime I get my hair wet, basically. My all-time favorite products for this starts with Not Your Mother's Curl Talk Gel. Something about my hair being so fine also makes it really prone to crunchiness, which uh, never looks good, but I can load up on this gel as much as I want without it feeling dry or tacky or crunchy, so it's never not on my bathroom shelf. I use curl cream right before that, and then when I grab this gel, I just swish a quarter-sized dollop of it into my hair while it's still soaking wet, and then it's time for plopping, which brings up my next favorite product, the Aquas Hair Turban. I almost always plop, mostly because my curls get more definition that way, but also because I hate walking around with sopping wet hair and just waiting for it to air dry. My hair takes forever to dry, so air drying is just a no-go for me. But the Aquas towel helps a ton because it's made out of microfiber, so it's smoother than a regular towel and soaks up all the excess water without catching onto my hair and making it more frizzy than it already is. If you haven't plopped before, it's kind of strange. You'll have to lie the towel down out on, I, I put it on my toilet, which is weird, but you can also put it on your bed or wherever is most comfortable. And then I have to basically plop as the, as the name suggests and pile all of my curls while I'm sitting upside down into one spot on the towel. And then I just wrap it up and pull the loop around the little button. And it's super easy with this turban instead of a regular towel. My last favorite product for defining my curls is definitely on the bougier side, but it's my favorite tool of all times. So worth it. The Dyson Supersonic Hair Dryer with a curl diffuser, obviously. Again, I am not the biggest fan of air drying, so I usually blow dry on my wash days. And this also prevents my hair from losing volume right away, which is a huge problem for me. I just flip my head upside down and kind of scrunch the diffuser into my hair while it's doing its thing. And then when I flip back over, I have so much volume, I basically have a lion's mane. And that's exactly how I like my hair to look. Last but not least, here's Jihan. This is Jihan Forbes, digital editor at Allure. So one thing I do like is the Ankh hair care um, rose mint shampoo. So Ankh is a very small hair care brand and they make kind of a lot of you know, natural hair products. And I really love that rose mint shampoo. Um, one thing is what I look for in a good shampoo for curly hair is that if it detangles my hair, my hair texture is a mix of 3C and 4A. Uh, maybe there's some 4B in there if you look. But this stuff uh, really just kind of detangles my hair. As far as a conditioner, I really love and I will always advocate for the Philip Kingsley Moisture Extreme Conditioner. I just haven't used a washout conditioner that makes my hair feel so soft. Like it's truly amazing. And I'd love to put it on and then leave it on for like a minute or two just for it to penetrate. And it always makes my hair feel super soft. The only thing that I can think of that's sort of comparable um, and more affordable is the Dove Amplified Textures Conditioner. Um, as far as a co-wash, the Bread Beauty Hair Wash, I consider it a co-wash because um, I also like to use shampoo, but I use that as my co-wash. 
It's super soothing. It's got kind of has like a nice cooling feel when you put it on. It smells amazing and it's really good at detangling and making my curls pop. Another co-wash I like is the Kristen S. Curl Co-wash. Kristen S. is just an amazing human and she makes amazing hair care products. I love all of them and I am obsessed with that co-wash. As far as a deep conditioner, the Bread Beauty deep conditioner is amazing. I know I keep mentioning them, but they're so good. I love that deep conditioner. It's one of the ones that makes my hair feel the softest. And again, Kristen S's curl mask is freaking amazing and also one of the best. As far as styling, I really love the Afro Sheen Curl Cream. That is what I have been using nonstop during being under quarantine, and it is one of the best out there, and it's super affordable. One thing I love about it is when I use it, it makes my hair really nice and shiny, and it just holds beautifully. I also really enjoy the Dove Amplified Textures Shaping Cream. That's another good drugstore find. That one has a little bit more of a noticeable smell. It's a great smell, but that's one I love if you like your products a little more scented because the Afro Sheen is kind of a more subtle scent. So take your pick. Either one is good. And I also love the Beleza Natural Hair Oils. Those are great. The BN Bio versions. Those are just so good. And if I use too much gel in my hair, I can kind of scrunch that in to take away all that crunch. That's it for this episode of The Science of Beauty. Tune in next week when we'll be taking a deep dive into the scalp. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. It helps new listeners find the show. You can find additional information and episode references in the show notes. Follow Allure on Instagram at Allure, and I'm at Hey Michelle Lee, and Jenny is at J by E, B A I L L Y. On our audio team, our lead producer is Carla Green, executive producer is Shara Morris. Associate producer is Kate Mishkin, and sound engineer is Scott Somerville. On the Allure team, the editorial leads are Soyini Driscoll and Diana Mazzone. Lead researcher is Julie Risavudo, and project manager is Monica Perry. The theme music is by Asha Ivanovich. Special thanks to Julie Shen and Neon Hum. Hum.